Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone, and hello to everyone listening on iHeartRadio. We just love you guys because you get to listen to us for wherever you are in the world, listening to us live on the air, and to my iTunes and Stitcher and podcast people. We love you um, for keeping us up there on top iTunes podcasts and Stitcher, And but most of all, we love that you're sharing this show with all of your friends, your family, and and random people. People have told me that they met somebody in an elevator and they were telling them about this great radio show they need to listen to. So thank you. And continuing with the whole idea that this show is an international show, not just a local show, my guest today is calling in from the UK, recently back from a trip to Turkey. She was born in Dublin, but she eventually moved to the UK where she had a successful career in the hospitality and health and fitness industries. But Six months into a new marriage to her much-beloved Chris, who I have to tell you is such an awesome man. I can't wait to meet him in person. Um, Mary McGurk was diagnosed with myologic encephalopathy and fibromyalgia. And after years of struggle, she took a leap of faith and spent five months out of the year in southwest Turkey, where healing finally began. Now, for my regular listeners, you know that I myself have dealt with a lot of chronic illness, which... Nobody seems to be able to diagnose. They think it's probably due to the tick stuff I had and whatever. But Miriam wrote a book called Shattered Dreams and Scorpions at Midnight, which is a must read for anybody who's ever had any illness or just somebody. If if you like to understand what it's like to live in an entirely different culture from where you are with wonderful stories, you've got to read this book. I, I think it should be in everybody's library. Um, one of the questions we're going to be asking her is, how does one live a life that works for them while sharing it with others? So please welcome the totally amazing Miriam McGurk to the show. Oh, Laura, thank you so much for your warm welcome. So kind. It, it's so great to have you on the show, and I know it was not easy for us to <laughs> coordinate all the calendars with all of the time zones and all of that stuff. So thank you for, for being here today. Well, we've done it. We've done it. We're here. And, you know, I recently was rereading the book so that it would be fresh in my mind for the show today. And, you know, I keep picking up nuances every time I read it. But your backstory of how you ended up choosing this path that you're on right now is pretty amazing. Can you share with the audience, you know, a little bit of your journey that got you to living in Turkey, healing and sharing with the world, your amazing writing. Oh, okay. Laura, um, I knew I was always different. And it all began, really, when I packed a case in 1976 with a lot of hope and without realizing it, moving from Dublin to London. And that's when I jumped on this, what I call the work treadmill, and I became the hamster on the wheel. And I think many of your audience can relate to that because it was all about achieving and success and um, having a career. That's how it all started. 
And for the next 22 years, that's exactly what I did. As you said earlier, I worked in setting up and running restaurants and hospitality and finally in health and fitness, which is kind of ironic when you think of what happened to me in, in later years. Um, in, as you say, in 1996, I married my wonderful Chris, who I have renamed Superhero. And he really was and still is a superhero. And six months into our marriage... I was finally, finally diagnosed um, in 1997. I finally collapsed. I'd collapsed many times before, but I finally collapsed with the diagnosis of ME, myalgic encephalopathy, and then that followed with fibromyalgia. And for the first few years, Laura, I was in total denial. I would not accept it. So every time I saw a window of energy I jumped through it, and of course, I fell flat on my face, and I eventually picked myself up again, and off I would go. The medical profession didn't truly understand this illness at the time, and for those listeners who who maybe know little of it, I describe it as having flu and jet lag 24-7. And then you have the, the, the fibromyalgia pain, which is a little bit like arthritis and all those tender areas and muscles. That's an amazing way to describe it. <laughs> but, you know, um, but at the time, as I say, I, 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 was, in, I was in denial. I, everything had closed down, and the medical profession at the time, my father-in-law was in the medical profession, but equally he was open to complementary, which is the route I'd always taken prior to this collapse. But by 2000, I realized that really nothing was working, and I threw all the medicine away, and I didn't tell anyone. And I started to research um, everything I could possibly get my hands on about ME and about diet and natural supplements. And even though I'd always kept myself very fit and eaten very, very well, nothing was being absorbed. So by the year 2003, um, I just knew life was not working in the UK. It just wasn't working. I was getting very frustrated. There was no healing and with a great big leap of faith, and I know I've jumped a little bit in terms of years, but I, um, in 2003, we moved to southwest Turkey. And initially, I really dreamt of being by the sea where I thought I could find this place to, to heal because I've always loved the sea, and I call it my therapy, my sea therapy. Now, were you, um, Miriam, were you working while you were going through all of this, or did work have um, to pretty no. much stop? Well, it's very interesting from going uh, from running at 600 miles an hour the night I collapsed and the doctor met me at my house, finally collapsed, um, and he said, you are grounded, and I, I didn't pay attention. I knew something was very serious and something was very, very wrong at that point, but that's, everything stopped, Laura, and, and that included my career, everything, and I described myself then as the plant and the pot that can look out of the world and the world was looking in at me perhaps or moving around me but I couldn't move I couldn't do I I I literally was um as if I was frozen in time 
So what was um, going I, through your mind at that moment? I mean, what were you asking yourself when you're watching the world go by and not really knowing what's going on with you either or how long it was going right. to last? Yeah, I'm not accepting it. Um, anger, frustration, and thinking that putting the onus perhaps on other people that they could help me heal, not for one minute thinking that I was the one and the only one who had to take responsibility for A, accepting the illness, and B, if there was going to be any step forward, I had to make changes, first of all, in my mindset, and secondly, physically, and all, even emotionally. And, um, and at that time, you can imagine from Chris's point of view, he had met this very vibrant, alive, always out there making it happen female, and suddenly it was all gone. I suppose it's a bit like, you know, the flat champagne. The bubbles were, were just gone. Um, so that was, I probably didn't even realize at the time just how challenging it was for me because I've always had a very, very active brain and I love to learn and I love to embrace new things. And suddenly the effort of even getting out of bed, the effort of even having a shower um even walking down the stairs to get to the kitchen, to put on the kettle, to even make a cup of tea, um, it was exhausting, exhausting. Yeah, I remember um, I discovered whistling tea kettles when I was going through something similar when I got Epstein-Barr a long time ago because I kept burning pots because I'd put water on for tea and forget because I'd go into yeah. the room and fall asleep. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I, I learned about whistling yeah. tea kettles at, at that point. So. <laughs> It, it, the simple things, mean. right? But they're so critical to helping. That's right. Okay. Yeah, that's right. So we're I, getting I ready to go into a commercial right. break. Okay. I'd like you to um, share a question with my listeners of something they should be asking themselves right now about their own lives. Okay. What do you think? You, and you would like me to ask that question now? Yeah, yeah. Just throw it out there so they, they can... Okay, let's throw it out there. Well, because I'm, I'm, I'm now a published writer and a creative, and I would just like to ask the question to your audience. Are you writing for you as a personal achievement, or is it for your business uh, to support what you do? Is it a bolt-on? Oh, I like that. So are you writing for yourself or are you writing for your business? Yeah. And that's out to my authors or wannabe authors in the um, in my listenership. But, you know, that's also a great question for anybody because um, in business, you may not be an author, but you might be writing copy or advertising. So think about that in every email you do. We'll be right back after the commercial break. We were talking about how pretty much in an instant, your entire life, changed and Chris's life your husband changed yeah. in this instant when you collapsed and the doctor said that's it you have to stop you can't leave the house you can't do whatever and you still didn't really understand this you had anger and then yeah. all of a sudden something started to shift somewhere in there you started taking responsibility for making yourself get better correct yeah. is that what you said happened correct yes and actually what happened was I kept 
thinking originally, oh, I, I'll have to find a new career. I'll have to get back on. I'll have to, you know, what can I do? What can I do? And I would say to Chris time and time again, what is my niche? What am I supposed to be doing? And rather than asking him, I need to be asking myself. Oh, that's huge. Yeah. Okay. And um, probably I only really, really started to ask that question and answer it truthfully when we made that move to the mountains. And it was a great big leap of faith. And rather than we didn't just jump on a plane, I should actually say that a couple of days after 9-11, Chris and I had our first ever holiday. Don't ask me how he got me on a plane, but he got me on a plane in 2001 to southwest Turkey. And what, we, what happened there was we, I noticed that within five days of just resting and, and, and recovering from, from that trip, there was a surge of energy that I had not seen for many, many years. And Chris hadn't seen me laugh or smile or joke and have fun. And while I still had to rest every day, at the end of that holiday, Chris said to me, if this, we have to hold on to this. And I said, well, why don't I start spending more time here? And I actually spent six weeks on my own at one point to see if I could cope and manage again by the sea. And hence, following that, Chris said, you know, with the business I'm in, I don't need to be in the UK. I can be anywhere. And that's when we decided to move to southwest Turkey, so, initially by the sea. So you guys started talking, asking each other questions about, is this, is it just a moment of the fact that I took a vacation, right, that I started healing, or is there something more to this? Yes. And funnily enough, Laura, following that, one of my complementary therapists who suffered with MS, huge crossover, she had actually given me some research where um, Portugal, um, India, and southwest Turkey is known for its healing properties in certain parts, and especially with conditions like MS and ME. And I knew India was not going to be, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was, was not going to be. And I write about this in the book. I tell the story of, you know, um, how, how it all began. And, and I knew Portugal. I just felt the temperature, perhaps, or the environment just, it didn't appeal to me. And then, of course, Chris appeared with tickets to southwest Turkey. And that was a huge um, light bulb moment although we probably didn't fully realize it at the time. When I was reading that section of the book where Chris pretty much had to carry you those last steps to get you to the water because it was just so exhausting and how you described what it was like floating in the water and how you began to come back to life, that was so powerful for me because it shared the vulnerability and the caring and then you being aware. So you had your own eat, pray, love. Like yeah. Elizabeth Gilbert's book was this whole journey to southwest Turkey. But what, I, what I'm trying to understand is a woman with your background from Dublin, from the UK, somebody who's been at the tops of their field and everything, going to a country like Turkey, which has culturally a very different view of how women engage yes with men 
to make that leap for you was really a step out in faith, I would imagine, because you have to sort of relearn how to engage. You can't change their culture. Exactly. And actually, I I have a quote, and one of the things is, sometimes we need to just let go of the old ways to discover the new. And actually, once I let go, when I moved initially to Turkey, once I let go of my Western thinking and started to immerse myself, um, initially we were by the sea, Laura, and then that, the dreams were shattered there. And then finally, finally, we moved to the mountains, to this traditional Turkish village. Oh, and that's where the Shattered Dreams portion of the title comes from? I just got it. I just got it. Okay, got it. All right. Sorry. (laughs) And we moved to this traditional village that had not changed hundreds of years. And so Chris was used to working out of the Far East. He'd worked in other parts of Turkey because he had been in the textile business. Um, And he kept saying to me, Miriam you're not a Western lady anymore. You need to just change your thinking. Stop trying to control it. Just let it go. And so I started to immerse myself. I was already speaking Turkish, immersed myself in their daily lives, the simplicity of their daily lives. And I started, I mean, I tell the various stories in the book of, of, of my um, engagement initially with, with Muslim men and how they wouldn't talk to me and they had their hands up and it's like talk to the hand and me getting angry. But actually, once I let go of everything I thought I knew and started from scratch, everything turned around, everything shifted. And how I related to my Turkish male, um, you know, um, members of the village and elders, that changed as well. And now the relationship we have, they will come up, they will shake hands with me, which is very rare. They will kiss me on each cheek, which is very rare. And it just, everything changed and everything turned around. And once... um, I started to relax into this wonderful way of living, you know, natural healing, organic food, clean environment, the silence, Laura, you know, um, you can almost hear the silence. And, and for me, that's healing in itself. And once I did that, would you believe that's when I found my niche and my passion for writing full time? That's what it started. Okay, so you said something that I, I just think is is brilliant and should be a tweetable moment. Is <laughs> and, and you know I know you're you're very involved with social media, and I actually met you through Ken Heron, who's been on the show several times, who I just think is brilliant. Yes. Um, yes. So you mentioned how you had to be willing to let go of everything you thought you knew and everything you knew and start from scratch. So that letting go and starting from scratch created a way for, it sounds like, the men in the village to let go and start from scratch with you as well. Yes, exactly. Because, you know, they would see this woman, they would see this woman, I'm known as this Irish woman who walks the valley, you know, walks down the valley or walks up the mountain, 
and I now we you know we now we had various rescue dogs on the way, and they 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 wouldn't you know they wouldn't acknowledge me initially. Now it's very much. Um, I haven't tried, as you quite rightly said, to push my culture onto them. I'm a guest in their village. It's up to me to make the changes, not them. And it's a little bit like when you, um, they needed time to adjust to this stranger, this foreigner in their village, because Chris and I were actually the only English-speaking people initially um, in the village. So it was all very new for them. And then my two characters in the book, which are Selma and Ahmed, they'd never worked with a European before. They had no idea of, of how, how I did things before. And by me just allowing them to do it their way and accepting it, um, they're now my family. And when I meet them, when I, when I will go, I'm back there in two weeks' time, Laura, to get back into my writing cave and get back to my wonderful retreat. And um, Ahmed will come and pick me up in his white truck. And I will cry when I meet Selma. And she will cry. And she, say, she will say to me, you're home now, you're back, we're a family again. So you had to I, let go to let in. Exactly. I had to close that door. And it's not that I'm, you know, when I come back, I'm back into my Western, you know, my Western ways, but I'm now very aware when I'm back here in the UK or even when I'm in Ireland, that I'm very much aware of keeping it really simple and living the life that has worked for me and helped me heal in Turkey, living that same life and as much as I'm able to do living in a city, in a Western city. Oh, I love that. All right, we're going into the news break right now. When we come back, we'll have more from Mary McGurk talking about how she balances that peace and that simplicity in Turkey into the rest of her life. We'll be right back. I really do need to get the studio set up like I did when I did the interview with Terry Brock and we, we videotaped it because the conversations on the breaks are truly amazing. And I really wish uh, all of you listeners out there could share with the, these great conversations we're having um, during the break. So, Miriam, we were talking during the break about your writing process and you were started to talk about this fog that you were in and, and you were in a fog for a lot of years with your illness. Yes. So, the clarity that began to come, how did that come about that you ended up writing Shattered Dreams and Scorpions at Midnight? Okay. Well, funny enough, I was in a fog for 17 years, Laura. That's a long fog. And, and it's a very long time to be in that wilderness and that fog. But interestingly enough, I started, even in those 17 years, I was inspired to write poetry and short stories. And even in that fog, I started to write what, is now known as blogs, but I call them blurbs because that was about 12 years ago. And I would post them out to other web people's websites because I didn't have one. And one day I said to Chris, I can develop these blurbs into short stories. And I started to do that. But again, you've got to remember confidence, self-confidence, self-esteem, a sense of achieving, that had all kind of got lost somewhere. And I was afraid, I really was afraid. Um, 
about putting myself out there and, and that I, I put blocks up as to whether I could actually achieve um, even even uh, writing full time. But one day I said to Chris, you know what, I'm going to write. I'm going to write. Um, and Shattered Dreams and Scorpions at Midnight came, um, I would say, well, it was after the turnaround where everything started to flow again. And you know when you're on the right track, everything just falls into place. And I was writing originally in my pen name because I was hiding Laura. Um, and I made the decision that if I was going to step up to the plate and start writing, and it had to be in my name. It had to come from me. And also, I really wanted my audience to connect on a much deeper level with me, to get to know who the real Miriam was, not a pen name, not kind of on other people's website, but the real me. And I started to write. It wasn't even called Shattered Dreams and Scorpions at Midnight at that point. But they were titles of some of the short stories I was writing but you know when you're writing the book it is the I it has to it's the I and you're in the cave and you're writing and and you're solo but but once I decided that this book I really wanted to get out there and publish it the I became the we and the search then started to find the right publisher and in August 2014, I had a meeting after many, many, many meetings and and connections with other publishers. And you know what I'm talking about with meeting the right publisher, Laura. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah. Um, I had a 35-minute slot. Um, This publishing company slotted me in, this chap, Richard Hagen. And that turned into a -a two-and-a-half-hour meeting at the end of which we shook hands and I knew this was a pivotal moment and I knew another door was about to open and I felt so good about that. It was a real light bulb moment. What I keep coming back to, a common theme that I I keep hearing and, and seeing in these conversations is that whole having to start over from scratch got you to the real you in every aspect of your life in your healing, in your relationships with Chris, which got even stronger, in your relationships with a culture you had never met, which helped you to shift them as well in their interactions. And then I'm I'm imagining that this is changing the people you're back together with in the UK and in Dublin, and now through your writing, how you're impacting everybody, because you are willing to let go. That's exactly it, Laura. You have got it. And you know what? It is the most wonderful feeling in the world to just be you and not be afraid to be vulnerable and not be afraid to be fragile. I spent my life, um, if you like, it is like I used to call it, you know, in the work I did, it was almost like being in theater, being on stage every night. You know, the show must go on. And now there is no show. It's just me. And if people don't get me or like me or whatever, that's okay because I'm so much more happier in myself. I'm at peace. I have this wonderfully more balanced life. And I didn't even realize it when I started this journey. But actually, I'm so grateful now 
because I would never have learned any of this um, had I kept going. So I'm I'm where I need to be now, and um, and and again, we talked about meeting the right people, like Empire. Um, they got me. They tuned into me. They were willing to fly the flag for this mad Irish woman who wants to write about tales from Turkey, you know, Shattered Dreams and Scorpions at Midnight. But with their encouragement and taking me by the hand and their coaching, I was able to go back into my cave and in October 2014. And by June of last year, 2015, Shattered Dreams and Scorpions at Midnight, A Search for Sanctuary, was released. And if you had not taken that time to heal, do you think that this book would be where it is and that um, the publisher would have responded to you the way they did? No. There is absolutely... I needed to heal. I needed to manage my life. And I needed to find the confidence again and the wherewithal within me and the strength again by managing my life, really being discerning about every single area of my life. Now, we all forget, we all fall off or whatever. And by fine-tuning it and by keeping that balance and my, we talked about mindset earlier, I was in a very different place and I was so ready to meet Empire and I was so ready to embrace um, whatever changes or their suggestions and their thoughts as they were with mine. And that's why together it's just been a great collaboration. So for somebody that's going through some hard times, maybe it's health issues or career things or family things, what would you say to them when they're in the middle of it to see that how they can shift out of it. And it may take them some years, it may not, but what are, what's, what would be your piece of advice? Well, one of my first things would be, rather than to keep doing, is to start being and to step back from all that perhaps chaos and to really step back and to ask the questions, what do I need to do that only I can do? today that is going to move me forward and help me make one simple change in my life. And that could be working less. As you said, that could be taking that extra hour for you just to sit and be. It could be taking that time out to maybe meditate or maybe sit by the sea or sit in a corner that you set up that is just a tranquil setting. And it's you have to stop and step back and come out of where you feel you are. Because as long as you keep doing, trust me, you're blocking all the opportunities to answer the questions that I've just suggested. Okay, but what if somebody is in a situation where they, they don't feel they can stop because they, they need three jobs to survive or they're a single parent and they don't know what other options they have. What? Okay. Then I would be asking someone, either a professional that they trust, for advice, 
I I would be asking um, perhaps a, a friend who really, really knows them. Or I would actually be writing down the, the kind of traumas or the challenges that I'm going through. And I, the answer will come. I'm convinced of that. Yeah. And, and I also think that we have more moments in the day when we have time for ourselves than we're willing to we, yeah. admit. Because, yeah. And you know what? I, I've probably said this before as well. And, you know, um, Laura, that's why um, Shattered Dreams and Scorpions at Midnight, a pocket full of inspiration, which is my little pocketbook of quotes, came out of me writing the original book. And that's why I say we need to just stop. And I'm not saying give up work, but maybe just stop and give yourself five or ten minutes a day just to be okay. and just reflect. And you can give yourself the next commercial break to just stop, listen, and be. We'll be right back after the commercial break. Whether you're listening to the show on iHeartRadio, on Waxy AM, FM, or on podcast, um, tweet out to us at, at the Laura Stewart. And Miriam, your Twitter handle? My Twitter handle is at Miriam underscore McGurk. All right. So tweet out and let us know what you're thinking, uh, what questions you're asking yourself. And, and tweet out questions to us in case you have some, and we will respond to all of those. So, um, Miriam... How do you manage to balance, how do you live your life that works for you while sharing it with others? I mean, to me, that's the hardest part as a caregiver to my mom, you know, wanting to have my own life, but also knowing that her needs, in some cases, literally need to go in front of my own. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that is tricky to balance that, Laura. And I take my hat off to you because anyone who is caring, my goodness me. And I, I, I mean, I can now appreciate what Chris has had to do all these years. And people forget about that. Uh, but in terms of balancing it, I actually am discerning, I said a little bit earlier, really strict about all the various areas of my life. And that includes my rest hours, my work hours, and what I need to focus on each day. So I am giving my best in reaching my goals. But I'm also very lucky in that I now have a very a small core team of people around me who support me because you can't do it all. And I think that's the great realization. You cannot do it all. And even in terms of social media, if you want to raise your profile and your brand and you want to get your name out there as a writer, a creative, or even the, spe- the business that you're in, social media is a very, very important spoke in the wheel. It's not all of the wheel, but it is a very important spoke in that wheel. So how do you do it? Initially, I was juggling it and it was relentless trying to do it all by myself. But I'm now lucky to have um, Liz White of Whiteword Media, who is phenomenal. And side by side, the lovely and wonderful, and you know him um, much better than I do, Ken Heron, who has been really guiding me in terms of my social media, and then Liz on the marketing and PR. And then, of course, Chris is now my full-time manager. So he's not, he's shifted his business life to he be with you. His, that's right. I mean, he still runs his business, 
but he is now my full-time manager. And we really work well together. And each of us brings something that is really, really important to the table. And I know that I can trust these wonderful core people. And then it lifts the pressure from me. Okay, sometimes I get a little bit anxious or maybe a little bit frustrated or maybe I put my spoke in where I'm not supposed to and I just want it maybe it's a control thing still but I overall I know that I can just get on with what I need to do which is to write because to me number one priority is the quality of the writing and developing my craft because without that there's nothing okay now you mentioned that you take very specific, you have a very specific day, right? I yeah. rest during these hours. I write during these hours. I do this yeah. during those hours. Um, how do you, because this is, <laughs> it, you know, I have a number of listeners that have this stuff going on. How do you not feel guilty about saying, well, too bad, um, this is my schedule, and unless there's some crazy emergency that comes up, we just have to work with it. And um, first and foremost, when when I started to work, I know what works for me. And therefore, anyone who's around me, um, if they don't get that or understand that, then, you know, and, and, and everyone, and, and as I said, the few core people around me who work with me, they know how I have to be. But it starts from me. And... Um, so, therefore, I, I'm, I, I, there was guilt in the beginning, Laura, but now I have no problem saying those two words, no. Uh, you know, those two words. I say no. It's not appropriate. Can I get back to you? I'm not able to do that today. Um, we're probably talking about two, maybe months down the line, I can do this post or that blog or whatever. And... Um, it really is continually checking in that you are sticking to a strict schedule and program that is working for you because you know the more you give, not everyone, but people take. And I was always a, a giver, and I love to give, but you cannot give to anyone else or to your work if you're not giving to yourself first. You have to give to yourself. And that's not being selfish. That's actually being healthy. Yeah, and you said starts from me, and then I added clear boundaries. So yeah. that's a, a, a different way of looking at it, right, is <laughs> yeah. that it starts from me how I define those boundaries and how I set them knowing that they're right for me, or in your case, from you, and yes. then having people around you that align with that and respect that. And yes, situations yes. may come up or an emergency here or there or whatever, but yes. you have to be willing to say, it starts for me. If I don't That's define right. it, then nobody else is going to go along with it. If I'm not, if I'm willing to give and give and give, then they'll just take and take and take. That's right. And you're less there and... You know, for example, if I have a blip, which I still have, I still have to manage, and I still have, I still have, occasionally have the bl a blip. Um, but as long as I fine tune how I work each day, I can actually keep going and working and managing each day. But if I, 
if I have had my blip, that can take a week, two weeks out of my life. And I'm not prepared to go down that route of, of, you know, how that's gone. That's history. ME doesn't sit on my shoulder or fibromyalgia doesn't sit on the other shoulder anymore. It, it's, it's, um, it, it, it's a very different outlook now. And it is about also having a strategy in place and a program in place and a plan in place, uh, whether that's monthly, yearly. But each day, uh, at the end of each day, I plan the next day, and I, and I have weekly plans as well and monthly plans, and I keep reviewing them. And sometimes when I'm tired, I can go off track, can't we all? Um, and I stop, and I might just go for a walk around the block or go and make myself a green tea. And I come back and I say, which I mentioned earlier, what can I and only I do right now that is important to how I work today or that's going to move me a few paces forward. And and I have the perfect thing you can do right now to move you forward. (laughs) Uh, My listeners would like to know how to get in touch with you. Oh, bless. Okay, my website, straight on to miriammcgurk.com or talesfromturkey.com. And I I write a blog twice a week, Laura, and any kind of events or any kind of media things, anything that's happening, just click onto that website and it's all there. So talesfromturkey.com or miriammcgurk.com. Dot com, exactly. And then on Twitter, it's miriam underscore mcgurk. Yes, it is. Okay, and you're very active on Twitter, so people, everybody follow Miriam. She's really awesome. Oh, bless you. It's my favorite. And my where, absolute favorite. And where can they find your books? Okay. My book is on Amazon. Um, it's on download. Um, in this country, it's, it's, which can be ordered as well, it's at the uh, London Review Books Bookshop, which is in Bloomsbury in London. It's also, I don't know whether you're familiar with in, in, um, in this country as well, it's at uh, certain branches of Waterstones. It's actually physically in the stores. And equally, you can order from Waterstones. And can I share something with you, Laura? Quickly, you can, yes. <laughs> Very quickly. In September, um, Chris and myself are coming to Boston and to New York. And I'm really, really hoping that by the end of this year that we will start to be stocked in Barnes & Noble bookstores. That is wonderful. I'm looking forward to that. And maybe you can detour through Florida and come visit. Yeah, that would be just wonderful. That would be very, very wonderful. Um, So thank you so much for being on the show today and calling in from uh, the UK. It's an absolute pleasure. And thank you for, I'm I'm really honored to have been a guest on your show today, Laura. Well, you have so much to offer. And, you know, everybody read the books. I love them. (laughs) There's so much great stuff in there and so many great stories. And it really makes me think and ask a lot of different questions because you shifted my perspective on a lot of things. And this show is all about helping people shift their perspective by asking different questions. Oh, it's it's my pleasure, my absolute pleasure. And I'm so glad that um, we've had this time to chat as well today. Thank you. And and we will be chatting more, you and I. Um, So listeners... uh, You know how to reach out to Miriam, and what I loved, one of the things she said was have a strategy in place 
and a plan. If you don't have one, let me know. I'm starting new mastermind groups to help you all put those together for yourselves. Remember, the right questions can change your life. So what are you asking today? Have a great day, everyone. You've been listening to It's All About the Questions, starring Laura Stewart. Connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today.